Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Ah, hello and welcome to the program. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. And I play Hurt, ladies and gentlemen. I play Hurt. Look me up on the Book of Faces. Joey Clark or the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Give it a like. Really just go to my page. Joey Clark, I'm sitting here behind this microphone without my glasses on. Long hair. It's luxurious to be well seen. And... Joining me tonight, this was impromptu. We'll get the guys from the land show on back another night when the weather permits. But I feel like I'm already in the hot seat, ladies and gentlemen, because sitting right across the desk from me is the one, the only, 84. Hello, Joey. How, How you are doing? you doing, buddy? I'm doing great now. And you, you forgot to tell them you have got a dynamite-looking scarf on as well, well. It's a trick I learned that if you wear black or dark blue or dark colored clothes all the time, like I wear black all the time. Oh, if really? You, you do? Yeah, I know. Surprising for somebody who's always seen me like yourself. But if you do that, wear a scarf or a some sort color. of accent yeah. that's like bright color. And it's soft. I got it for 10 bucks. It helps when it's cold to wrap around your neck. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. I don't think I've ever worn a scarf. Now, I did. I'll tell you this now. See, when I was growing up back in the, <laughs> the late 80s, turtlenecks were in style and sweaters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so you would wear the white turtleneck with the peach-colored or pink-colored, uh, you know, woven sweater. Oh, my. Dude, I was... You bored. probably look no, good. man. You Out talk about looking shaking good. Shaking that booty on the dance floor and yeah, that turtleneck and scarf about. and sweater. Yeah, <laughs> that's impressive. Now, the reason I feel like I'm on the hot seat is you teased me before we went on air here. I did. You said that you have this one question that's profound, that's deep, that you want me to answer. So I I, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what the question is, but knowing that it's coming from you, 84, it's probably going to be a humdinger. Oh, it's going to be a humdinger. So give it to me. Well, and, and, and it really is, and if anybody's out there listening, we did not rehearse this. Joey no, has this not heard this question. The first time I'm hearing this on but, air. But something went through my mind. My, my brain is really weird. Of course, I, I think about crazy I mean, look stuff. Look at your all hand; time. you write notes on your hand. Yeah, oh, that's my question, so I wouldn't forget it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but all right. A couple of months ago, mm-hmm. which I mean, I've known you for a couple of years now, but you said something about that you were had come out as an atheist, correct? Yes. yes. Okay. All right. Which is a dangerous word to say, but it's oh, sense. it is. It just you you don't say that in Montgomery. But Alabama. as you can tell, I don't constantly harp on it. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah, you're I'm not, bigger than that topic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like that. And but, I'm exploring. But yes, I did. <clears throat> All right. Well, if if you are or feel like that you are mm-hmm. an atheist, that means that you believe 100% in evolution. Would that be a correct statement? I think evolution is plausible. There are some holes on the origin of life. But 
Yeah, I think evolution. But the origin did not come from a one god. Well, I that do, my position created is I all that. I don't know. Okay, so then that means you're agnostic, not atheist. Well, okay, here's, and Barron did this well when I talked to him about it, is agnostic is a claim to knowledge. I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't. But when somebody asks me, do you believe in God, and I can get into, like, what do you mean by God, blah, 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 blah. But when somebody asks me, do you believe in God, I say no. So it's an active belief thing. Now, do I wonder if there are things beyond me, that there are mysteries to the universe? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right, so then I'm really, I'm you'd searching. be more agnostic than atheist then. Well, no, I'd be both. Both? <laughs> I would be both. be both. Well, no, I think it's just the honest position. Instead of hiding an agnostic that we don't know, because I think a lot of people of faith don't know, but they have faith, and they believe. And if you're asking me about my belief, do I believe in this particular understanding of God, the Creator? Okay. No. Okay, but but you, you have a belief system that there's... Uh, something spiritual inside you that you believe in. I think there's the, such a thing as the conscience. I think there's a lot we don't understand about our own consciousness and like how we are. I mean, yeah, there's a lot that we don't know yet, and there's plenty of conversation to be had, plenty of stories to okay. be told, and and I'm very open and exploring. That's why I wanted to bring it up that I'm not the type of atheist who goes and I know and all of you are wrong you fools no yeah, that's, you're an idiot if no, you believe in a god that that's not my position that's not yeah. my position at all and what's amazing i just looked at some of the numbers pew research did a poll a pretty in-depth breakdown of demographics in montgomery 20% of our city is now non-affiliated now only 1% is atheist 1% is declared agnostic another is i have no clue uh, but 20% is, we, I do not know, or I am unaffiliated to any given religion, which is an interesting place in, in somewhere like Montgomery. Now, 30-something percent is Baptist. The faith I was raised in is Catholic, so about 4%. Yeah, and you have other right. denominations, Christian denominations. But it, it's interesting that's happening in Montgomery because people are having conversations. And I've talked to people of faith, not of faith. It's amazing how much people have the same questions about the world. We all muse about the same mysteries, I think. Well, that very quick sidebar, that's the fallacy of the church, I think, is, mm. is, is a lot of that because they don't teach you the way you should be taught because you can read something in the Bible and the preacher will just tell you, oh, nope, nope, I know what it says, but that's not what it means. And so that's... But that I have not even gotten to my question yet. Right, right I'm waiting so, for it. So being... Either atheist, agnostic, what combination of both. Yeah. That would mean that you believe 100% that at some point there was a big bang and we evolved from a single cell organism into what we are now over billions of years. Is that a true statement? Uh, I think the Big Bang Theory is the best one we have right now. And, as, and, as far and, as evolving from a single cell organism... Yeah, it makes sense. I think, though, there's a lot of... Um, I'm not, I didn't come to these conclusions, I'll put it this way, through the, the brilliance of science. Um, and when it comes to evolution, I think variations of species over time, the fact that we, human beings and chimpanzees, we didn't come from chimps, but we and chimps share a common ancestor, that makes sense to me. Okay. But evolution does not tell us how that single-celled organism began. And how you could get life out of an intelligence 
consciousness out of non-intelligent matter is still a huge mystery. There's all sorts of things out there that show there might be intelligence built into nature. So, And I'm willing to go wherever the stories go. I, I think it's an ongoing conversation. Okay. Yes. So, so you would agree that we have, as, as far as evolution goes... That we have progressed and the human being, yes. Homo sapien, yes. has become the highest form of or most intelligent, best form of mammal out there, and we rule and control the world. Would you agree with that? Statement? Oh, yeah, pretty much, as far as we know. We also are incredibly stupid, and I'm, vain, I'm, built in fear. And, and, and I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, for... for the sake of this argument or discussion we're having, yeah. I'm talking here on Earth. I mean, we're not. Yeah. I don't want to get into. There may be higher levels of yeah, intelligence. As, as Aristotle, out there as Aristotle said, man is the rational animal. Sure, because we do not know everything, but what we understand. So, if if we evolved from a lower being into what we are now, mm-hmm. and Homo sapien, mankind is the highest form of intelligence. Why do we have emotions? Why do we have emotions? Well, I think the emotions come from what we share in common with animals. Don't don't knee-jerk. Think about it. No, I, I am. What is the evolutionary advantage to having emotions? Well, you what's react. The ad, what's the advantage to having emotions? Well, it keeps you alive. If fear is no. your most basic emotion, it does help to keep you alive. Mm. Fear is is separate. That is an emotion. What about love? Love. I think love gives you a huge advantage. It makes you care for your offspring. It makes you care for people in your tribe. No. In your doesn't. group. Those are built into you. Yeah. An, an animal, a cow, when she has a calf. Yeah. She stands up after birthing the calf. She cleans the calf off and gets it up. Yeah. If that calf is stillborn, that cow licks the calf off, looks at it, nudges it. I've, I've seen it time and time again. Hmm. And this is something that happened a couple of weeks ago, I think made this come into my mind. Nudges a calf three or four times. If the calf is stillborn, she walks off. Yeah. She turns around one time and loathes at her calf. That's why cows call their calves. And believe it or not, cows and the calves have different vocal ranges and they know so when the their calf babies. doesn't respond. And when the calf doesn't respond, what does the cow do? She walks off yeah. and leaves it. Yes. In like a 30-minute period. There's no emotion there. That's instinct. Yeah. The instinct is when the calf is born, clean the calf off. The calf should get up. The calf should nurse. The calf doesn't nurse. Oh, well. And she walks on and goes about her daily life. Right. And, and the emotion, and, human-wise, would be being conscious of that feeling. And this is one thing that made me think about this. Okay. And, I mean, I don't want to upset you. No. How many times do you think about your mother? Oh, often. Almost daily? Yeah. 
As do I. Yeah. What is the advantage of having that emotional contact to someone? The animal world does not have that contact. Hmm. When that calf dies, it's like, get up, come with the herd. Oh, you're not coming. Okay. Right. Never mind. And they go on. Cows don't go back to the graves of their calves. They don't dig holes and bury. They don't build shrines to theirs. What is the advantage of having emotions I'm so happy as a human. I'm so happy you asked me this. I didn't realize. I knew you would have a good answer. No, and And that's why I wanted to ask you this as an honest question. I'm not trying to set you up or anything. I don't feel. Really want to know what you think about this. It doesn't feel that way, and I have been searching. And you know, so what's the purpose of any sort of animal that isn't? thinking and reasoning they go by instinct and they have some basic emotions they might be able to recognize things on a lower level not quite where human beings are and the animals are all different from one another but for the most part a cow is built to be a cow and uh, most animals are made to do what they're going to do and what then does become becomes the purpose of man that's the question what's our function and our purpose and i have been searching and there's this guy named Jordan Peterson. I've been talking about him over the last few weeks. And he says, if you go back to the Western tradition, but it also is in many parts of the East as well, in Buddhism as well, that man is, and you're talking Sumeria, ancient Greece, Rome, Europe, uh, all the way into America from you know Christian, non-Christian, all sorts, but the Western idea is that man is that multifunctional thing that uses, as Peterson puts it, the logos, the imagination, to overcome and to be anything he needs to be. And he sums this up in, like, ancient tales, for instance. Like, the Sumerians had uh, this old myth, where I think it's Murdoch is their hero in their hero's journey. And he also serves as a creation story, where Murdoch goes and takes on the the dragon of the unknown named Tiamat, literally translated into chaos and darkness. So their hero goes on and takes on, slays the dragon of chaos and unknown. It's cross. Yeah, it is. It breaks it up into pieces and creates the known world. So really what man is, is the person that uses his ability to reflect on the past, reflect on what his actions should be in the present, to understand and imagine what possible futures can be, and to create order out of chaos and nothingness. And yes, you bring up, that's Christ. Jordan Peterson does an incredible, he has a 20-hour lecture series on how Christianity tells this story, in his opinion, better than any other story has ever been told, better than any other religion. And it's remarkable. But, I mean, you get commonalities between all sorts of uh, faiths. So he gives the Garden of Eden story. Adam and Eve, and he says it's a comic story, and it is. That really is a story about becoming self-conscious. But the very thing you say, why? what advantage is there to think about our mothers who have passed when it hurts so much? Yeah, what advantage is it, it to be able to understand that you are in pain, not just experience pain, but know that you've been in pain before and you could be in pain in the future? What's the advantage to that? Well, it's you become self-conscious. It allows you to go beyond your current position. And so in the case of Adam and Eve, they, Adam becomes self-conscious when he eats the, for, the forbidden fruit. And the comic part is he immediately turns and blames his wife. God doesn't buy that. 
It's obviously like, oh, come on, man. You took it and you ate it yourself. But he, hey, she made me. No, no, no. Isn't that what we all do, though? Right. And also in Buddhism, there's a similar story to the origin story of, of the Buddha. The king at that time is told your son will either be the greatest king ever or he will be an incredible, the most renowned religious figure ever. So the king goes, oh, I don't want him to be one of these poor religious figures who has no pleasure. I want him to be a king. So he builds this palace with all the world's delights and pleasures, all that's good and beautiful, um, from incredible food to art to natural beauties like flowers and lilies of the field to uh, sex and love. And this kid is raised in this utopia, almost like a Garden of Eden, multi-layered castle. And finally, the kid starts growing up and he gets curious. What's outside of this place? And dad's like, oh, crap, I can't. I can't let him go outside. Well, but if he keeps asking, I have to let him go outside. And I think the first time, and I don't want to butcher the story too much, he goes out and he sees somebody who's sick or somebody who's poor. And he asked his guide, the young boy, the king to be, what is going on with that person? Oh, they're poor and they're sick. Like, could that happen to me? It's like, yeah, it could happen to you. So the kid runs back to his paradise. Ah! Like a little kid might run back to their parent thinking... Oh, I went too far. Hold me, mommy or daddy. He goes out again, and he sees an old man, decrepit from old age and dying. He says, could that happen to me? His guy goes, yeah, that could happen to you. And so the, this king-to-be becomes incredibly self-conscious of sickness, of death, of poverty, of how much suffering there is in the world. And he realizes, I can't stay in this paradise any longer because... Of all these things out there. And I actually need to find to understand it. That starts the whole process of the Buddha. It's very similar to Adam and Eve. So, yeah, this guy I've been reading, and it goes back to Carl Jung, um, to some of his students, Eric Newman, the point of what we are. Why are we able to abstract and to think of future possibilities, to think back on our past? Because it allows us to adapt to any situation possible, to go into the unknown, to take a shot in the dark, and using our imagination and our ability to logic and reflect on the pain and all that's come before us, maybe not even our own lives, reading it from other people, we're able to create new things that better our lives and help us make meaning out of our lives. And the people that you see the most miserable are people that don't have a goal they're going towards. They don't have that ideal they're always going towards. And I think there is something very well said when people say, I have a relationship with Christ. That's exactly how a relationship with your conscience should work. It's not about, here's the rule, here's the rule, here's the rule. Belief is not, here's a set of rules and you must uphold these rules. It's a little bit of that. But Peterson said there's an older understanding of that word belief, be loved. What do you love? What do you work towards? What do you develop with through time and through your life? And he says that could be the conscience. That could be literally Jesus Christ. And he, he shows this. By, he did this whole breakdown of the movie Pinocchio. And Jiminy Cricket, which is a, another way, it's a southern word for Jesus. Jiminy Cricket becomes the conscience to Pinocchio. And when the cricket... Initially, when he becomes his conscience, he literally sits up on a soapbox. Sorry for saying what I said last night, folks. And he looks at Pinocchio and he goes, here are the rules of being a good person. And Pinocchio doesn't hear a word of it. And it actually, Jiminy Crick is not a great conscience initially. It takes time for him, Pinocchio, to understand, oh, that's what he's going to fall for. 
Those are the temptations that might lead him to an unhappy life. These are the struggles he's going to have to face. And it allows this conversation between the two. But the whole point, to answer your question, is back to what I've said two times now. Is why can we think of these abstract things? Why? What advantage is there to reflect on the pain? I'll put it just in personal terms. What gave me solace at the end of the day is why am I crying? Why am I in so much pain? It's because I had something to lose in the first place. Something profound that I can't take away, that nobody can take away. I could even forsake my mother, which I'm not going to do. I could do all sorts of things. Like, I disown you. But you can't take away the past. And that pain reminds you, wow, at least I had something worthwhile. At least I had something. Yeah, And so it becomes a sweet reminder. At first it hurt too much. Now it's more like... uh, It it gets easier over time. Yeah. (laughs) It probably will never go away. I don't know yet. I'll let you know if it ever does. But that's the 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 reason for my question was how does that advance us though if we're continually evolving mm-hmm. and going higher? What's what's the? I don't see how that advances us. Emotions. Why does why does sex feel good to us? Well, functionally, bare bones way. It's so people have babies. It, well, yeah, it's it's a procreational yeah. act, is what it is. Right. Animals do that all the time. It probably feels good to them. Uh, you ever seen two cats? <laughs> it's that my brother and I were talking about that the other day. No. It's it's generally violent yeah. because it's one hundred percent strictly for the purpose of procreation. Chickens, same way. Right. I mean, it's fairly violent the way that it happens you're not mated to that person you don't stay with that or those two animals you know two cats don't like set up a little cat house and raise little kittens together and the daddy doesn't go off and bring food back to them there are certain exceptions in the animal world Hmm. but you don't have pairs. Why Why would you get married to someone? Well, why the, would you tie yourself to another human being and bond with them? But all these things you're describing. If we are simply beings that are evolutionally getting onto a higher and a higher and a well, higher point. Okay, but here's the thing. It's not just biological evolution. That when you start to create language and you start to create thought... And things like music and, and whatever else. It allows for that sort of conditioning. And I think the reason we pair together, the reason we have these emotions, everything you're describing to me is progress. It isn't, sex isn't some violent thing that happens real quick. Everybody goes their separate ways. No, it became a pleasurable thing that created more human beings, that created unity and togetherness when it goes well. And that allows us to build more language, more culture, more community, to think about why are we here. I mean, you have, they're finding new discoveries where early, early on, it used to be, okay, human beings did agriculture, they had time for leisure, and they started to create more sophisticated culture. But they're finding old archaeological digs that are 
showing that, no, maybe it's the religious inspiration that led to people grouping together in the first place. That um, you're describing as emotion, but I think it's the ability to reflect on those emotions. It's not just an instinct that you respond to. It's something you can think about. Oh, I feel this. What does that mean? That question of what does that mean allows us to do all sorts of things together. We go into the unknown and we create order and meaning out of it. And sometimes it's a tragic end. Sometimes it's, it's not. And ultimately, life is tragic. That's what we're all scared of, that we kind of came out of nothing. We think about, well, we try to think about the time before we were born and going, well, that's difficult to think about. And we're very happy we are alive, that we're not like that before we were born. But we're all going, oh, no, we're going to have to go back to that. And we hope that there's an ever after, that there's an afterlife, that maybe there's something that we're missing completely. And that's why it's found in so many different traditions. But at the end of the day, that is what everybody's struggling with. That's sort of, well, it's what the Buddha found on his first time out. Or his third time out, excuse me. That Wait, that guy's getting old and dying? Is that going to happen to me? Yeah. And what he realizes, I can't live in paradise. I'm now self-conscious. I have to figure out a way to make this meaningful, even though it might end in tragedy and I might not always be here. And and I think the question you have to ask, and, and you are intelligent enough to realize this, there are creation stories in every civilization. Yeah. All the humans uh, from anywhere, you can go to the the far outskirts in Australia, and they all have similar stories mm-hmm. of creation. They Most of them have flood stories of somebody being on a boat yes. and getting off the boat. And that's where you have to, you've got to, at some point, you've got to decide who's borrowing from who. Right. Oh, yeah. Which story is the most consistent? And which is the only... Every is... Uh, and I, I... Oh, I cannot say this word. It's seraptology. Hmm. All worldviews have a seraptology to them or seraptology. It's, it's something like that. But what it means is there's a salvation portion to it. Right. There's a way that you earn the end and of every single religion and everything else there's only one there's only one Christ is the only person that ever said there is no way to salvation but by me Right. the rest of them like you say Buddhism or uh, any of the rest of them they're like, you know, you do this, or if you do that, or if you do enough of this, then yes, you'll get there. If, and Christianity is the only religion that the salvation said, this is the only way to do it, is through me. No other way, period. Well, and I think you're correct, and maybe, but I... We'd say there are probably some devout Jews, devout Muslims. I'm not one of those who would make the same claims and disagree. Well, but and, and the, the, where I'm happy is that we live in a place where we can have this conversation in public. 
Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. And to me, that's where it needs it needs to go back to the mystery and where we're trying to find understanding rather than here's the rule. If you upset the rule, you're going to suffer for it. Well, and, and I mean, that's you're exactly right. That's the the devout Jews. That's they're looking for. The yes. Messiah. Yeah. I mean, Christ is a word that we use. Jesus Christ, Yeshua, whatever word you want to use, it, that's the word Messiah. Yeah. That is, uh, the the Hebrew word is Messiah. I mean, that's who they were looking for. It means Savior. That's what, and it's translated into the Greek, turns into Christ. And no point in getting into the weeds. So, yeah. they're looking, they don't believe that Christ was the Christ, they're looking for the Christ. Right. And the Muslims, they stole the Jewish religion and morphed it over. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe, I cannot back this up one bit, I think they came from Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think they from, claim from, that themselves. From way back. And, and I, do, I do think, and I'm just not... Is fresh on it. I think they claim that Ishmael was the true son of Abraham, and the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, would come from his line rather than from uh, Isaac, his line. Right. So. Well, and you bringing up the, the Jews are still looking, it's uh, kind of a joke where uh, in the, I can't remember the word, shtetl, maybe, the, the township, a Jewish township. The only two people that are really serious about religion are the town atheist and the town rabbi. But then this one-off said, no, 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 no. There's a third person who takes it really seriously. That's the guy who sits on the walls of the township. And when asked, what are you doing sitting out here next to this bell, looking out on the horizon, what are you doing here? Oh, they pay me to sit here. Why are they paying you to sit here? Oh, I'm supposed to ring this bell when the Messiah comes. Well, how's the job? Well, steady work. And so there's, there's a, I think, a, a sor- all sorts of depths to our religious tradition. And I think even within Christianity, to Christianity's benefit, it isn't just Roman Catholic or Greek Orthodox. You now have all these different denominations right. and understandings. For instance, I don't think the Mormons are correct in their theology. But the way it makes a lot of Mormons behave on earth, I'm wonderful people. Every Mormon I've met, I've liked. And I've had great conversations. I love talking to Mormon missionaries. They're just so, they're searching, and they're very open, and very... How do you pick them out, though? Well, I know. <laughs> the bicycles and the skinny I mean, ties. guy with a bicycle, white shirt, black skinny tie. Right. I mean, he could well, be anybody. Well, and actually, in, in college, I was... I'm not making fun of I Mormons. No, no, I love Mormons, too. But uh, in college, I was, I was thinking about this. I was writing, trying to write music. Um, and I failed probably, but I succeeded to some degree. And there's this one line, uh, used to think this was a sad situation, existence, our lives, chronic case of crash and burn, but now I see the truth behind this relation. The stars above are ours to learn. The wide world is ours to name. Because we're all players in this eternal game, we seem to have sprung from nothing, but we're here to say play. And I, it, to me especially Judaism beginning with a Jewish tradition, but also it's found in like the gospel, beginning of the Gospel of John. It's the power of the word that goes back to what I answered. Why are we able to reflect on our emotions? The logos, man's ability to 
imagine a possible future, to go into the unknown, come out of the unknown, and create beautiful things and meaning out of it. That's why we're here. And you realize, I'm sure you do, maybe some of the listeners don't, it, very common scripture most everybody knows in the beginning was the word yes. the word was with God the word was God exactly when we read word w-o-r-d that is the Greek word logos exactly in the beginning was the logos yep he was with God and was God that's and that's I, I had it put to me like this it was like the the force be with you mm. which is and yep. and that's the, the thing about christianity and and everybody has to make their own decisions and i've made mine and this is what my beliefs and my faith is in i think everybody steals everything from christianity mm. and they it gets morphed in in the webster sense of the word it gets retarded as it moves further away whether it be the creation story or salvation story. But if if you open your eyes and really look, all movies, there's a salvation. Well, but this is what... Portion of it, and there's somebody that comes in, and they're the Savior, and they save you. But I think these are archetypes that, in many ways, existed before Christianity. Like, these are... These are things that you just can't get away of, away from when you're telling a good story. It existed before Christianity, but not before there was a God in heaven that created this. And right, when are we fixing to take a break? Yeah, and the, we, right. we do have to hit a quick break. When I come, when we come back, I'm going to tell you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the secret to life. Okay. I'm going to tell you why people are miserable. And why they're not happy. Wow. That's a big deal. And it, it is is so simple, it's going to blow your headset right off your ear. I mostly think it's because folks don't listen to incredible albums like this. This is the Four Tops, live and in concert. The song is Are You Man Enough? We've been listening to it all weekend on vinyl. We'll crack and hiss and pop. But we'll be right back. Listening to love music, Four Tops, live and in concert. One of my favorite live albums. Alongside me tonight is 84. I did not expect this discussion, but I feel <laughs> I feel uplifted after having this discussion. I Most, told you I had something out of left field to bring to you tonight. What, what's crazy is this is what I have been searching, folks. And this is where I've gone. Like, I've had these thoughts since I was a teenager, 
And I've sort of developed them and some poetry I've written, some songs I've written, but I'm like, I can't just be in myself. I'm sure there's other people who have explored these these ideas in this way, and there are. And so I'm reading a lot of these folks, um, and I, I want to have more discussions like this. This is fantastic. But you left people off with quite the doozy of a tease. Here, 84, you oh, said... what was that? T- See, we get to talking in the halftime, and I well, forget you said, what I was going to say. Oh, the secret to life. The secret to oh, life and why goodness. so many people are unhappy. Yeah. And every, that's why everybody's unhappy. And it's so simple. Mm-hmm. And a guy told me a story one time, and he said, he says, I don't know if this is deep, or if this is dumb, <laughs> is exactly the way he put it to me. That's a good way to put most mysteries. And I said, well, I said, what is it? He said, I, you know, I figured out why people are unhappy. Mm. I said, go ahead. He said, because we're not doing what we were created to do. And being a creationist, I believe that God created Adam and Eve, the first two human beings, and we all come from that right. all the way through. No, that's just my belief. Okay. And he said, what was Adam and Eve? What were they created to do? I said, well, they were created to multiply, fill the earth, and take care of God's creation. That's the job they were given. Not to buy big fancy houses, not to have nice clothes, not to... I mean, that, that's their job was to take care of God's creation, including the animals, the, the, the planet itself, and everything. He said, I was sitting on my porch this morning drinking my coffee, and I saw a squirrel. He said, a squirrel runs across the yard, picks up an acorn, puts it in his mouth, runs up, sticks it in his nest. Runs back down, gets another acre, and runs up, puts in his nest. Mm-hmm. Did it continually. Every once in a while, he'd stop, and he'd, he'd, he'd eat one of them, and then he'd get another one and put it in his nest. He said, I got to think about that squirrel. That squirrel wasn't bitching and moaning about, I've got to go get this damn nut and go put it in my nest is what I've got to do, which so many of us do when we go to work every day. You know, I've got to go put up with this so-and-so or this so-and-so or, good gosh, I've got to do this today. He was doing what he was, and and that's what I also, he, he told me. He says, I don't know if it's deep or dumb, but that squirrel was happy because he was doing exactly what God had created him to do. Yes. And that's what he was doing all day. Cows, God created cows. You know what he created them for? To eat grass <laughs> and raise more cows. Yeah. And to much. keep keep the grass cut. We go out with lawnmowers and cut our grass. Right. God put goats, cows, sheep, all those kind of animals out to keep the planet weed-eated and the grass cut. And we as humans... We want to chase something that we're not supposed to be doing, and that's what makes us miserable, especially especially if you go to looking at thy neighbor. Yeah. And when you try to keep up with them or, oh, I wish I had what they had. I wish I had. So that's the secret to life is do what God created you to do. Well, okay. take care of your Take care of your family and take care of God's creation. And you'll be happy. 
and and whether now that can move i take care of god's creation not just by being a farmer but by joey has a problem in his house that i can repair that's part of god's creation god created you i'm taking care of your needs I fix the problem. And could we expand that into taking care of creation might be to project logos into the unknown and to understand parts of creation that were before unknown and seemed like there be monsters on certain maps that had been yet to discover. Part of our taking care of the creation is to search out and understand it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dismiss that. Not, not at all. But I do have another take on the monsters. That's a well, whole that's another, that's another two or three well, hours. And, and there's um, this guy, I don't suggest emulating him, folks, but there's a movie called Libertine, Johnny Depp starred in. It portrays John Wilmot, the second Earl of Rochester. And he was a known kind of degenerate in the 1600s. But he was also freaking brilliant. And he wrote this uh, long-form poem called Sat- A Satire Against reason and mankind and there's one line and maybe you, you talking about the squirrel is happy because the squirrel's doing and people aren't doing what they're doing he wilmot says this i'm jumping in midstream to the poem thus i think reason righted but for man i'll never recant defend him if you can for all his pride and philosophy tis evident beasts are in their own degree as wise at least and better far than he and it goes on those creatures are the wisest who attain by surest means the ends at which they aim if therefore Jowler finds and kills the hares, a dog, better than Mears, who was a member of Parliament at the time, supplies committee chairs. Though one's a statement, the other but a hound, Jowler and Justice would be wiser found. And he goes on uh, essentially just raking the, the, the religious authorities of his day in England. This is after Henry VIII and the break with the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, and just rakes over the coals the politicians and... Now, people that kind of uphold right rationalism is the way you get closer to knowing your way. And he says, though, at the end, But a meek, humble man of honest sense, who preaching peace does practice continence, whose pious life's a proof he does believe, mysterious truths which no man can conceive, if upon earth there dwell such godlike men, I'll here recant my paradox to them, adore those shrines of virtue, homage pay, and with the rabble world, their laws obey. If such there be, yet grant me this at least, man differs more from man than man from beast. And I don't know if I completely buy Mr. Wilmot's argument. I think he's a little cynical. I like Um, that last line. But yeah, that last (laughs) line is damn good. That we can go, and there's other parts of the poem where he says, you don't see, you'll see like animals fight over, you know, reproduction. They'll fight over resources, and men will fight over reproduction and resources too. But men and women, human beings will just do wicked things to one another for no damn good reason. And we seem to be the only animal that does that. Like that's We we are. And that, that goes back to my original question about emotions. We have... Cows don't play mind games with each other. Right. Deer don't play well, mind games. It's just we're fixing to fight. Strongest one wins. Well, it I goes one hundred percent physical. There's no emotion in there. A woman can absolutely destroy you. 
Oh, yeah. Men to women And a man well. can do the same thing, I suppose. Men to I men, just women to women. <laughs> Human beings can, uh, like just that story out of California with that having all those kids chained to beds. It's just evil does exist. And I think that comes out of our, potent, our ability. If our imagination goes awry, if our logos isn't used properly, we can do incredibly wicked things to one another. And it, so I think evil is very much uh, real. Very much real. But it makes me think of a story I shared on air about three, four weeks ago. It's an old Hindu myth where it's the gods and the anti-gods are having one of their eternal battles. It's literally how it's translated, the gods and the anti-gods. And they say, why are we fighting? Let's have a truce. So they go to the cosmic mountain, which is very much uh, similar to the mountain of purgatory in old Christian geology. And they say, well, let's churn the butter of the ocean. So they take the cosmic serpent, which for some reason dragons and serpents always reoccur in these creation stories. And they start using... Hey, I wonder why. Yeah, and using the mountain as their, their hinge point, they wrap the serpent around it and they start churning the ocean of the world. And initially they think, okay, wonderful things are going to... The butter of immortality, salvation will arise from this. But before any of the good stuff comes, this poisonous black cloud comes out. And I believe it's Vishnu holds the poisonous cloud in his throat. If he had let it go down to his stomach in the way they believe, it would have destroyed the whole universe. But he holds it. And he's known as kind of a great wise man, a yogi. He uses his knowledge of the world to hold on to evil and to keep it pinned up. And after he does that and saves the world, they get back to their churning and out comes magnificent things. And one guy told the story, recounted in the modern age, Joseph Campbell, was doing it pretty much in light of nuclear weapons. The point is, the bottom line is, that when we go to create incredible things, we have the potential to create destruction. And it means keeping our wits about us, keeping our balance understanding that there might be tragedy and destructive capabilities out of our projects for good. And if we can understand that and keep that balance, we will find wonderful things. But the two go hand in hand. And I'm sorry to those on the phone. Um, we're out of time, really. But I, I'm, I am searching. I am exploring. And what I find the most fascinating and uplifting is that too many people in this world try to figure it out from square one themselves, on their lonesome, by themselves. You have this whole wide world that has come before you, and that will be here after you. And it's wise to go read about it, at least, to understand it, to talk to those you love, and to read the stories of old. And it's, it's very important to come to your own understanding. If yeah. you're going to have faith in something, don't do it just because that's what you were taught in Sunday school. Don't do it just because that's what your mom and daddy told you you're supposed to do. You know, come to your own understanding and have a grasp of what you what, what you, you believe in. And, and by belief, we don't mean what rules do you live by, but what do you love? Exactly. Well, 84, thank you. And, and don't forget this, Joe. If you only remember one thing tonight, you've never seen a squirrel crying. Amen. They don't get sad.